The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roto Experts Fantasy Football Show. My name is Davis Maddock. You can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. I brought on my good friend. You guys know him as Rotopat. I also know him as Rotopat. Patrick Doherty from rotoworld.com here to talk about, uh, you know, just the, the world in fantasy football. We're getting close. It's, we're getting very close to when you can start to really take ADP seriously and when, like, like your your friends who you know and they know you work in fantasy sports, they're about to start being like, "All right, bro, who do I draft this year?" <laughs> and they're about to start asking for like comp subscriptions to like the various draft guides you're involved yeah. with and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a I guess it's a good thing. I'm appreciating the you know slow month you know, after mini camp before training camp is like the one like truly slow time of year. But uh, you know, it's my job, so sometimes. I can view it negatively, but uh, yeah, this is like where uh, you know all of our very loyal listeners are getting hella excited, and for a uh, good reason because yeah, it's just around the bend. All the yeah, all the high stakes drafts are they're they're getting ready to go. Like it, it really is about to. Uh, it's we're we're under three months now. I think it's like it's like seventy five days or something until the first game of the season. So we're yeah, we're pretty close. September eighth, I believe, uh, and yeah. I'm missing the opening night game to go like my. Present my Mother's Day present to my mom was Casey Musgrave concert tickets that she really wanted, and of course it's opening night of the uh, NFL season, so I'm missing the opening night of the NFL season. If anyone out there is wondering, uh, I, know, I know everyone's been really wondering about my status for the opening Thursday night game of the year, and I'm missing it. So our first topic of discussion: DJ Moore, the best breakout or the greatest breakout? My vote is greatest breakout. I actually think his eight, if I had to go look at one ADP and be like, that's the most profitable ADP right now, I think it would be DJ Moore. Yeah, I want to be like one of the leaders of this train. Uh, I had a bold rank, not like an insanely bold rank, but I have my wide receiver 16, which was the highest of all the other Roto World dudes. Um, just like the very, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm gonna get too like in the weeds with like kind of pointless stats, but I mean, average no, no yards, in, in the weeds, let's go. And I'm, I'm not even saying these are necessarily good stats, uh, but he averaged 60 yards after the Panthers' bye last year, which was in Week Four. Uh, that was he was 17th in the league in raw yardage after the Panthers' bye last year. Uh, he was 11th in the league in yards after catch, uh, and amongst like the top 20 in yak, uh, only Calvin Ridley played fewer snaps. So he's like pretty effective on, you know, kind of like part-time work for a while. And, you know, we finally have seen like this conversion of the Panthers offense. So they're no longer just throwing out gigantic Kelvin Benjamins. Yeah, to that corral. was the biggest thing I noticed yeah. was I, I ran through all the wide receivers that Cam has had, like in that wide receiver so one role for his career. So after Steve, and he didn't even get to play with like prime Steve Smith, right? He had, he had no. tail end of his career, Steve Smith. So the other guys he've had, they've all been 220 pounds or more. Olsen, Bunches, Benjamin, I, actually probably the, the best like boundary wide receiver he played with in terms of speed is Ted Ginn. 
Yeah, it's just insane. Like, they thought that he, like, couldn't play with normal wide receivers. And, you know, last year they finally started trying to use playmakers instead of just, like, huge, like, gargoyles. And it worked. You know, he had, like, his completion percentage went up by, like, seven uh, seven percentage points. Uh, they're on a per-play basis. The offense was way better. And DJ Moore was just leading the charge besides Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, I just love dudes who can both compile and are also kind of, like, legit big play threats. So, you know, like, uh, even if he had, like, a, you know, like on a per-play basis, maybe he won't be, like, the most efficient. But, like, he's going to get the ball so much, get so many targets. This, he's going to bust, like, a lot of big plays. And I just love compilers who also kind of have that big play ability. And, yeah, I basically can't find a single reason not to be, like, all over DJ Moore as a wide receiver, too, this year. So I, I, ran, uh, I ran what was, a, I thought, a pretty simple screen on Pro Football Reference for DJ Moore, and I just article just came out this morning. So I ran rookie wide receivers, younger than 22, more than 14 yards per reception, and 75 or more targets, right? So like, that's not crazy, right? You could see a lot of guys having that season. This list is absurd. It's Randy <laughs> Moss, Mike Evans, <laughs> Keenan Allen, Juju Smith-Schuster, Amari Cooper, Sammy Watkins, Josh Gordon, Kenny Britt, Robert Woods, DeAndre Hopkins, and DJ Moore, and Antonio Bryant, who I'm honestly too young to even know who that is. But I, I looked it up, and I saw he had 5,000 career yards and good touchdowns. Yeah. So, and, and even accounting for the fact that Moore had the least touchdowns of that group, uh, I, I still think that if you were going to generate a historical comp list, I don't know if it really gets better than that. No, and like we're basically saying he should be a wide receiver one, not a wide receiver two. And uh, we have to remember he did all this with his quarterback, like literally couldn't even throw like the final six games of the season, you know? And like Cam like couldn't throw and he was like still compiling and making plays. So DJ Moore, wide receiver one, in my opinion. Yeah. And what I, what I saw also, what I saw was all of these guys joke, on that list. Not a, not a joke to me. <laughs> so so Hopkins saw only 90 targets or 92 targets his first year. Julio Jones only saw 95. And so all these guys took a big target spike their second year. They were all north of 120, which like makes sense. You know, rookie wide receivers learning the league, yada, yada. And then you just get more. So like, do you do projections at Roto World? No, I'm not. I'm like a Stone Age dino, dinosaur man. Um, so I've always do rankings, but yeah, I don't do my own projections, which, uh, you know, feel free to judge me for that. Um, no, no, no judgment. But so I, I do our projections at Roto Experts kind of using the math that Mike and Drew have put in place. And in my first run, I had more down for what was, I think, 108 targets. But I just kind of looked at it and I was like, really, he probably is going to get closer to like 23, 24% of the team's targets. Because I guess one of my things is, is I don't expect Christian McCaffrey to lead the NFL in snaps again. Or be you don't expect him to literally set the running back receptions record again, Davis? Uh, yeah, I, I, so I think if he's like, if McCaffrey scales back to like five receptions a game instead of eight, I think a lot of that volume probably funnels Moore's way. Especially because I don't expect Olsen to play 16 games either. Yeah, so it's awesome for a receiver if your main competitor for targets is a running back. Because, you know, Curtis Samuel, who still really knows, I mean, talk about like a volatile, risky uh, number two wide receiver. Like you say, Greg Olson, I mean, basically, he's, well, he's probably going to re-break his foot in like week four. But, yeah, I like Ian Thomas. But, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, you know, Devin Funch is so like Devin Funch is gone. So like the situation. Plus two, you know, he's he's a first rounder. We know teams pay real attention to that. I mean, oh, like, it's huge. Yeah, every yeah. like every guy on that list I just named, they yeah. were all first round or second round draft picks. Yeah. So every arrow basically is pointing in the right direction. Yeah. So DJ Moore, uh, I mean, like he like okay, first so round pick. Like a, a rational market, I think he would be going where, like, Godwin and Galladay are. But you can, like, for real get him two rounds later than those guys. Yeah, it's insane. I, I you know, I could not – basically, I, my eyes lit up. Like, I was, like, seeing a slow-pitch softball coming over the plate when I saw you wanted to talk about DJ Moore. Because, yeah, I've been on board for months now. So, there we go. DJ Moore. Now, moving on, favorite zero running back targets. So, this is, like – very near and dear to my heart because I love all these young wide receivers so much. So, like, you know, you're, you're giving me the choice between Josh Jacobs or uh, Kenny Galladay or whatever, just – or Leonard, Leonard Fournette or Amari Cooper. Like, I'm, I'm taking these elite wide receivers sort of all the time. So, later on in drafts, who are some of your favorite zero running back targets? Like, I don't know if these, like, are quite later enough yet, but I'm in on Rashad Penny this year. Because uh, talk about a team that I know is still going to, like, really pay. Although the Seahawks used to be all about competition, but I feel like they, like, really want to save face with the Rashad Penny pick. And yeah, not even, I agree. And just, not that they even necessarily have to, quote-unquote, save face. Because I mean, he was decent. I mean, he obviously should not have been a first-round pick. Obviously, if you're going to draft a first-round running back, you're going to want a bigger season than that. But he did flash down the stretch. Like, he showed enough to, like, he clearly like, belonged on an, like in an NFL backfield and has, like, legit big playability. And I could just see them, like, kind of continuing the forced issue with him and maybe taking over, like, the 1A role. I mean, Chris Carson's not going to go away. But I like Rashad Penny. Uh, I really I, I really hate to say this, and I've said it now on a few podcasts, but, I mean, I'm pretty in on Ronald Jones. Ronald Jones. Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, you got to be on a rojo. I mean, Bruce Arians is, like, the like the quintessential one-back back, one back coach. And, you know, the Jags – or not the Jags. The Bucks clearly know what they have in Peyton Barber. Uh, Jaquiz Rogers is gone. So the offseason is going to be like all about, you know, giving Ronald Jones every opportunity to seize that role. And I think even if he doesn't have like a great offseason training camp preseason, they might still just start the season from there, basically throw him into the fire. So I love Ronald Jones, even though he's not good. I love Ronald Jones as a zero RB running back. Uh, and, and, weird. and Bruce Arians has done the whole like running backs don't matter thing. He's like, look, we drafted David Johnson in the third round. He was a stud, but I'm not trying to pay these guys. Like, because the media yeah. was asking him, why didn't you guys draft a running back? Why didn't you guys sign a running back? Because all your running backs suck. And he was like, bro, it does, we're, do. throwing the, we're throwing the ball deep every play. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, getting weirder. Uh, not that I, you know, I like CJ Anderson because uh, you know we know the Lions. They're I feel like they're fully committed to the Stone Age football. Um, you know they've said all the stuff about Carryon Johnson. We want to keep him fresh. You know uh, they're going to give him some like his workload will go up. But I'm 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 sure their number two running back will stay involved. And I'm that's going to be CJ Anderson, who uh, I think it's safe to say is probably better than the Garrett Blunt. Uh, uh, Damian Harris, you know, even though you don't know Patriots running backs, still I still no. You always take you always take the cheapest one, right? Yeah, still a big believer in the Patriots running back meme, where I still don't really pretend like I'm going to know what's happening there. But I, I, I like Damian Harris. Yeah, I like Justice Hill. I like Kalen Ballage. I like Alexander Madison way down because uh, you know Dalvin Cook. I mean, if we're really going to count on him to stay healthy, uh, not that I'm even necessarily quote unquote believe in injury prone. 
but I, I get the feeling the Vikings he's like not- mega unathletic though. So like I buy yeah. that as a correlation. Like Dalvin Cook came in at like 37th percentile spark athleticism. He was slow. He didn't do a ton of bench reps. Like he just looks like a guy who's not that athletic. And it, it shouldn't be surprising when guys who don't measure as that athletic get injured. Yeah, and Alexander Madison, you know, kind of sucks probably too. Uh, not saying Dalvin Cook sucks, uh, but they're another team where I, I feel like they're true believers you know, in the running and like the run heavy offense now, and they're going to have another, they're going to maintain a two back. Yeah, they field. fired their offensive coordinator for yeah. passing the ball too much. Yeah, literally. And then, yeah, then they immediately removed the interim tag from Kevin Stefanski in January. So I'm confident the Vikings remain a two back back. I guess maybe it could be Mike Boone, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in on Alexander Madison, Madison, like at the very end of drafts. Yeah. Uh, so are, are you into taking the, the satellite backs, like the the like the Jalen Richard, the Giovanni Bernard, the Theo Riddick, like the the one the one late running back who I'm like exceedingly confident is going to be a good fantasy value this year. And you mentioned him was Justice Hill. Justice Hill probably like through all these best ball drafts, he's probably my most owned dude because I think he'll be in that satellite back role to kind of start the year. But I mean, Mark Ingram's old and and terrible, you know. He, I, I, I might quibble a little bit. With maybe maybe not terrible, but he is old. And he's off to steroids too, you know. Uh, it's true. Hopefully that, w- hopefully that wasn't like a libeling statement. I can't remember if it was actually steroids or if he claimed it was uh, Adderall or whatever. But, uh, yeah, Justice Hill, I feel like it's a pretty safe case, like as a guy who will definitely be involved enough to be fantasy relevant, kind of no matter the format. Even, even if he's like – even if he's this full-on satellite back in it, I'm, I bet he'd have standard value too. Yeah, I mean, and Baltimore's just going to run the ball so much. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. Most run-heavy team since the 70s after Lamar Jackson took over at quarterback last year. Great, like, they ran the ball over 50 times, three times in his seven starts. <laughs> Imagine that in 2018. <laughs> it's just, really it's, it, <laughs> I mean, Matt Patricia is going to hold their beer, uh, but yeah. They won't, the Lions won't run enough total plays to get there. That's true. That's a, that's a very, very good point, actually. <laughs> The the Patriots losing that um, Monday night game to the Lions, like we're we're like seven months past it, and it still is one of the most befuddling things that's ever happened. I still don't yeah, understand how it happened. The Lions, the Lions had a bunch of weird games like that last year. Didn't they kind of hang? They hung with the Rams, and when Jimmy G was still playing, I mean, didn't they beat the Forty ers I was like, what the hell is going on with the Forty ers or with the Lions, like? And they got they got ran by the uh, the horrible Sam, yeah. rookie Sam Darnold Jets in the yeah, first oh, game. Yeah, exactly. So they had like the weirdest like September ever, basically last year. And I'm sure uh, when you're implementing the vision, quote unquote, the Matt Patricia is, I'm sure things are uh, gonna stay weird. Yeah. All right. Running quarterbacks. So this is actually, I actually think people don't do quite enough quarterback talk because we're all, we all just accept like, okay, you, you take a quarterback late, you take whoever it, it doesn't really, doesn't really matter. So I don't know if fantasy podcasts really get into this enough, but really there don't. is everyone who owned Patrick Mahomes last year knows there's like a, a pretty big edge to be had when you draft a quarterback as a streamer. And then he ends up becoming your starter. So I have, I have three quarterbacks, and I want you to rank them for me. That I think all three of these guys have the ability to be better than streamers based off of their rushing stats. Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Dak Prescott. I have, I have my order, my, my preferred order in my head, but I want, I want you to rank the three. You of want them. me to go first? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to go first with Lamar, even though I felt like 
Yeah, he definitely his, his passing, if you could call it that, uh, definitely concerned me the most. But I just feel like the Ravens have the most convincing plan of those three teams. You know, they promoted Greg Roman. Uh, they kind of have a nice mix of weapons now. Like they they kind of really tried to address that this off season. And uh, you know, we've and we've already seen it from them. Like like I said, they were literally the most run heavy team uh, since the 1970s. I can't remember where I got that stat, but it's true. Uh, after Lamar Jackson took over at running back last year, or at quarterback last year. And, you know, you said Mark Ingram's bad, but I feel like he's better than what they had last year. I mean, yeah, he's better than, like, Gus Edwards and Bernard Pierce. Like, he's better than, like, anonymous Ravens running back X. Yeah. Yes. So I feel like uh, they have the most coherent vision. Uh, We've already seen it in action. Uh, We we see them now in, like, real time, like, trying to refine it. So I just feel like the Ravens are the most committed to it. And it's kind of like the team I trust the most to like implement it properly this year. Or you know, the Bills, I guess, are definitely committed to it, but they definitely seem like they were just kind of doing the throw stuff against the wall and see if it sticks this offseason approach. Like, I don't know if there is like – like, they're all in on it, but I don't know if they're like all in on it in like a coherent way. Whereas you know, the Ravens, this is clearly now the organizational philosophy. Where the Bills, they kind of seem like they're basically kind of like throwing darts and yeah I probably should have put Dak first but Dak is like the someone that I just like never even think about drafting I have no idea why I just like don't even like consider it as a possibility um but I'm more intrigued this year because like you know kind of like eyeball emojiing basically everything that Kellen Moore says like he's definitely and it's all good every everything that's coming out of there is good like Dan Orlovsky to their OTAs and he was like this is incredible. Like, I, I think the biggest thing for Dak is – this is actually a, a great set on him. He's ran for six touchdowns all three years of his career. There's, a, there's your good meaningless stat of the day. <laughs> what, what I actually – I think his running would stay the same no matter who the offensive coordinator was. Yeah, I, that makes I think, sense. I think they, they would all just be like, he's clearly very good at this, especially at the goal line. Like, he's a super efficient goal line rusher. What really interests me about the Dallas Cowboys offense is them – looking around and being like, oh, my God, we actually have two really good, fast wide receivers for the first time ever. Because Dez was always good, but he wasn't fast. Like, De- they no. weren't – they didn't target Dez down the field a ton. That wasn't really – that just wasn't really the – It was the not move. his thing. Right. So I, And Dak has a good arm. Like, he, he is capable he of getting the ball out there. And I think that if they, if they are – throwing the ball on average, you know, a yard or two further down the field. And Cole Beasley not being there actually I think is massive too. <laughs> there, There's nothing less efficient oh, in the man. passing game than targeting Cole Beasley, and he's gone now. Like it, I think this offense might actually – like the Cowboys offense just might be straight up good. I'd be all about the Cowboys offense exploding. And, yeah, you made the Kellen Moore point better than I did where like I was trying to say like literally everything he said has been like really good. Like, to talk about someone, like, saying the right things, like, the, like, supposedly smart fantasy analysts want to hear. Like, he's been, he's been hitting it out of the park. So, I, I, Dak is someone I'll probably have to start, uh, you know, like, uh, get, like, investigating more seriously. But he's just, like, always been, for whatever reason, one of those players, like, I just don't – my eyes just, like, go past him, like, when I'm drafting or when I'm, like, previewing the season or whatever. I'm like, whatever, I'm not going to draft Dak. That was the way I start. That was kind of the way I started, but I actually have him first of this tier because I also think I I think not only does like so if all the Kellen Moore stuff is true and he's not and he's not just like saying the right things and they actually are playing this exciting brand of football, his like you know his chart 
the the trend goes way up. But also, I think like especially for best ball leagues, his floor is pretty good too. He's finished as a top twelve fantasy quarterback all three years of his career. Because, well, just because of the rushing, you know, you can you can pencil him in for four hundred rushing yards and three to seven rushing touchdowns every season. I think. Yeah. No. Totally. And you know, he's. He is like he clearly has flaws as a passer, but I mean he's like also like a legit. I mean he can pass actually. Like he's not, he's like an actual. Yeah, he's not. He's like not Josh Allen, right? Yeah, like he's not Josh, Josh Allen, and he's not Lamar, the Lamar Jackson we saw last year. Like we know Dak can actually uh, throw the football. So so if you go look at at if you go look at Josh Allen's next gen stats passing stuff from his <laughs> rookie like year, a <laughs> <laughs> it is so. He actually was an above-average passer, and you'll never see this. He was an above-average passer 20 yards down the field outside the boundary. So just, like, think in your head of the football field and think of the two hardest places to throw the ball, and you'd be like, okay, 40 yards to my left and up the field, 40 yards to my right up in the field. And that's where Josh Allen was above league average. And then everything else behind the line of scrimmage, right in front of the line of scrimmage, and directly to his left and right, he was like – I mean, he was like uh, Brock Osweiler, basically. Like, he was so bad. And, like, they didn't sign good players. Like, I think that signing Cole Beasley and Tyler Croft, I think that's really asking Josh Allen to do something I don't think he'll ever be able to do. I don't think he's ever going to be good at, like, completing eight-yard outs. No, totally. I mean, Cole Beasley is going to be, like, have, like, the lowest A dot ever of a decoy. Like he's just like a straight up like decoy, uh, like like little tiny slot man decoy, and it's funny that you said that. You know who else is that exact passer, by the way, who is like almost like absurdly accurate outside the boundaries, way down the field, and bad at everything else is Drew Locke, my boy from Mizzou. Oh man, I love. Uh, he's like he, he's like he's like a I'm I'm making up the stab. He's like a 95 percent passer on like extreme deep balls. And then, like, a 42% passer on, like, easy crosses and outs and stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's going to be – If Drew Locke is good, like, if he's actually good, that Denver offense is going to be so good because they have a lot of really young, talented players. They have Noah Fant, who I loved. They have Hamilton, who is, like, prototypical good slot wide receiver. Cortland Sutton, former highly drafted boundary wide receiver. And then they have the two running backs, like – but it all it all is going to come down to is Drew Lock good? Because if he's not good, uh, it's you know it's fantasy Siberia. Yeah, I just joked about Drew Lock, but like he's like seriously like a, a Mahomesian deep ball, and yeah. his stats were worse last year than they they were when he was a junior. But he was like actually a lot better last year. He like actually started trying to occasionally throw f- with touch, and like I'm actually I'm a Mizzou fan. I usually am like biased against the Mizzou quarterbacks because like I always end up thinking they suck by the time they're graduating. But Drew Locke's the first one I felt, like, really invested in and, like, think could maybe actually be good. And, obviously, I would not be surprised if he's bad for the reasons I laid out earlier. But, like, I think there's a chance that Drew Locke could be actually really good. Yeah, I mean, he's got the – I don't think anyone doubts that he, like, has the arm talent. For me, it's, like, yeah, decision-making. Totally. It's all yeah, it's yeah. all decision-making. Not making. the best. Not yeah. the best. And that, and he, you know, like, usually does not improve. He has, like, the Romelu Lukaku, uh, like, flat track bully thing, too. Like, every time they played a top 25 team or if they were down, like, 10 or more points, like, he, tur- he, like, he turned into Tim Tebow. Like, like yes. NFL Tim Tebow, where it was just all bad. But it when was they very were, true me. 
Yeah, and then they they crushed all the bad teams. Like he would he would he would go five hundred and five against all the bad teams. I mean, against Southeast Missouri State, I mean he's putting up nine hundred yards <laughs> in the first half. <laughs> Yeah, definitely true. All right, our our next our next segment for takes: Jaguars wide receivers. I I again have my firm thoughts on D.D. Westbrook versus Marquise Lee versus D.J. Shark. Give me handicap the situation for me. Yeah, I was assuming I was assuming you were asking this one because you had strong feelings on it. Because yeah, it's definitely something I do not have strong feelings on. Uh, as we all I don't know, think many people do. This is a very niche part of a niche. Yeah. As we all know, based on off-season reports, their number one receiver is Chris Conley. Um, so, you know, it's re- we have zero Roto-World blurbs on D.D. Westbrook since the end of last season, which doesn't really mean anything, but it also means that, like, no one felt the need to, like, hype him up or pump him up this spring. Like, John D. Filippo, like, Nick Foles, like, never bothered to hype up D.D. this spring. Uh, I figured you like D.J. Shark. He seems like a very Davis player. I was going to ask oh, you. Bigly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is he even good? I mean, he's like a freak athlete. Uh, not I, sure I, so, like, I didn't do NFL draft stuff last year. So, like, I went into the season, like, getting ready for NFL being like, I literally do not know who this guy is. I don't remember watching him play. I don't have any takes on him. The only takes I have – so, Westbrook, for me, is clearly the best of these guys. Me just too. He's me all- too. He's, he's already done it. And, I like, you know, he's done it. He's the cop winner. It's safe to assume that he is slotted into that role still. So, like, yeah. I, feel, I feel like we know what he's going to be at least. Yeah. I think the bigger battle is who wins out in that, like, Dante Moncrief role from last year where they need someone to get targets down the field. And I think that's Marquise Lee versus Shark. So, I used to love Marquise Lee, but he seems like the kind of, like, tiny dude who probably couldn't afford to lose any explosion. And he's very, very explosive. But he's had so many injuries now. He's someone I could see it kind of, like, headed down the – like breaks down early path. Yeah, headed down the Kenny Britt path where like yeah. he has like three sick games a year and then you watch like you watch him bang his knee against the turf one time yeah. and you're like, okay, well, got to drop him now. It sucks. I used to really, really uh, be into him. But yeah, he uh, he seems like someone who could be headed down the like... He was like, the original Juju Smith-Schuster, like super young USC guy who yes. was touted since he was like 17 years old. Yeah, I believe he came into the NFL when he was 17, I believe. Uh, yeah. So I don't think anyone's going to break. The only, the only younger player in the NFL than him is Matt Stafford. I say, no, still Sammy Watkins. Uh, still, <laughs> still the youngest player in the NFL. Uh. Blew my mind to learn the other day that Sammy Watkins is 30. <laughs> How, I think he's literally, he's literally like 20, 25, I think, still. It's insane. He's no. Younger I got to look this up now. He's younger than Cooper Cup. Oh my God! Sammy Watkins is 26 years old. Yeah, dude, that's what I thought. Actually, as we're it was it was just his birthday. It's insane. It's, he's on he's his fourth. He's on his fourth team. He's gonna be 26 when he's 60. Like he's still just gonna be 26. Yeah, like for for real absurd. So anyway, so I think the the fantasy relevant advice here is actually like I, I'm pretty cool throwing darts on Shark because. When Nick Foles has the fastball going, he like, dude, he can make like four guys fantasy relevant. I don't know if the Jaguars are going to be able to do that, but I, I like DeFilippo like theoretically as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, and he really concentrated that volume into three guys, right? Like it was, it was Diggs, Thielen, 1A, then Kyle Rudolph as like two. And that they didn't even throw the running backs out of necessity, I guess. But yeah. 
Aldrick Robinson only ever scored touchdowns on the like the DraftKings showdown slates. Like he would never score on a Sunday, but when like the Vikings got a Thursday night game, he was popping up with two touchdowns. You know the season's getting close when talk is beginning about the Lord. The Lord, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, maybe the most important topic to figure out in fantasy football actually is I think the Arizona offense. So one, you got to decide how high to be on these guys. And I think if you can get the right order of distribution of targets past David Johnson, this is like league winning stuff. Cause I think Arizona is going to be close to the league lead and plays ran. If like, if Kyler is even adequate, like if Kyler can average, a league average amount of yards per attempt. If he cannot get sacked a ton, if he cannot turn the ball over a ton, they're going to score a lot. They're going to run a lot of plays. So outside of DJ, how high do you think the ceiling is for those guys? Do you think Isabella and Butler can play right away? Do you think, I, I actually think Larry Fitzgerald could low key just like get 110 targets again. I know. Uh, I think Raymond Summerland has been pumping it and pumping him up as a sleeper, which you know, you can't really ever call Larry Fitzgerald a sleeper. And, like, he's obviously become a meme for never dying and being a value every year. Kind of like wide receiver Frank Gore, but actually good. Uh, Frank Gore, has a value every year, and you never actually, like, want to own him. Larry Fitzgerald's a value every year, and you do want to own him. Um, All I'll say about the Cardinals offense is that I really have no clue, you know, how it's going to shake out behind Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, and even with, like, their million tight ends, which is weird. I think last year – there's some insane Cliff Kingsbury stat where they like literally like, like like Texas Tech tight end like didn't catch a pass last year. Uh, I can't remember where I found this, but uh, but it, they have thrown to tight ends in the past, so I'm, I'm assuming it'll be a part of the offense. But basically, my I mean, thoughts, never never forget never forget our Lord and Savior Jason Morrow. Of course, of course, of course, of uh, course. Basically, my thoughts on the Cardinals so far though is that. I really think like Cliff Kingsbury is going to be like what we wanted Chip Kelly to be. Whereas you know, like remember like Chip's introduction to the NFL was basically was that he came in and like immediately tried to prove that like he could like win with like any kind of quarterback, you know, like he wanted to like, I'm so smart. Like I don't need a dual threat. I can win with anybody. Like just doing like all this like iconoclastic, like ego stuff. Whereas the like, Cliff Kingsbury is like, no, no man. Like I gotta have my guy. Like, my, I found the guy who I know can run my system better than anyone else. You know, even though they just drafted a first round quarterback, they went out and got his guy at number one overall. And I just think like Cliff is going to be, this is definitely going to be famous last words, but you know, we're also excited about Chip Kelly. I think Cliff is going to be the actual Chip Kelly and Kyler to me is probably going to be like a top five fantasy quarterback. Oh yeah. Even if he's bad, like even if he's bad, uh, He's like Michael Vick 2.0. He's not a Michael Vick level athlete quite, but he's like the closest Aster. thing. I, 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 if you gave me um, like rookie year Vick right out of Virginia Tech and you gave me Kyler right now and you had them run a 40, I would bet on Kyler for real. I think I would bet on Vick probably. But like basically I don't think we've seen a better athlete at quarterback, RG3 included, uh, as Kyler Murray since Michael Vick. RG3 looked fragile when he was owning the league. Like, RG3 looked like a dude who was going to break before he broke. I don't feel that way. Like, I've never seen Kyler take a hit. Yeah, and he was, like, literally, like, a 70% passer. Obviously, a lot of that is the system, but that's going to be – remains in a high – He's playing in that system in the NFL, though. Like, it's the same thing. Yeah, so he's, like, the rare – to have a dual-threat quarterback – who is going to have like insane passing volume is, is he's just like one of the rarest 
he's he's really one of the rarest fantasy prospects like we've seen like in the past 10 or 15 years and I, I truly believe I ranked him as my QB five I think he's going to be a top five fantasy quarterback I, I don't even really think it's like that I don't even know if that's really controversial because he's just yeah, gonna have really so don't many plays and he's gonna run Yes. Yeah. I really don't even think it's controversial. Now, Look, like another thing that Cliff did too, and I love this, is he was just like, "Bro, I don't need to draft defensive players." Like, oh, we have, we have, we have, two, we have four wide receivers on the roster anyway. That's okay. I'm taking three wide receivers, then I'm going to draft a tight end, then I'm signing three undrafted free agent wide receivers. Too. That's why I basically punted on answering your question about who's going to emerge because they they drafted 18 wide receivers, they had 18 holdovers, they suddenly have eight tight ends. And, uh, you know, even Chase Edmonds, maybe even he'll catch passes behind David Johnson. That's what, that's what he said. He told people, yeah, so, reporters at Arizona, he's like, oh, I'm going to get touches every week. I know. So, basically, I have no clue what the touch distribution is going to be. But I just know it's going to be awesome to watch. Yeah, it is. I, I, I guess my one take is that I think that Isabella actually is going to be ready to go sooner rather than later. Because if you've watched – if you've watched air raid offenses, you, you do need that guy. You need a guy who can just, like, totally. get you five yards every time. Like, you need a guy who can go shake a linebacker and get five yards and keep – because you don't want to run the ball, right? Like, you're, you're not trying to run the ball for five yards. You're trying to pass the ball for five yards so that you can keep the same personnel out there. And it's why every Texas Tech slot receiver ever has been, like, a wide receiver one matched. in fantasy at some point. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, like for real, you can go back and look at tech, like go back and look at Texas Tech. They'll, they'll have uh, a 5'8 white guy who was uh, the third string point guard on the basketball team and, because uh, people and don't actually two know that. Super Bowl winning touchdowns for the Patriots. It doesn't matter who it is. <laughs> Recruiting to Texas Tech where Cliff Kingsbury and Mike Leach coached was like one of the most difficult things of all time. If you've ever been to Lubbock, Texas, it's basically a cow pasture. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't, I'm not going to speak ill of Lubbock, Texas, but in the past, I've written about uh, you know, probably quite difficult to recruit there. Uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it's like if, if anyone has read the book, uh, The Perfect Pass, which is about the, uh, the basically the invention of the air raid, they like mention how the the desperation of the air raid was built out of just not being able to recruit and needing to be able to gain yards with bad players. Makes sense. Makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah. So next, I, I guess our, our last thing, because I feel I am of two minds about this. So are any of the mid-round tight ends values? So that's that's Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, Eric Ebron, OJ Howard, and, and Jared Cook. I consider those guys to be like, Fifth group, through eighth round. I was gonna give you a non and I was gonna give you an answer out of not that group. And I was gonna say the only tight end, like kind of like even in the tight end one periphery, that I felt was like a true value was Trey Burton, who I didn't enjoy owning last year. Uh, but like the fade has like gotten like a little ridiculous. Like he was a top eight tight end, like both standard and PPR last year. And like the the Bears have like mostly stayed the same. Uh, with their personnel and like he yeah. probably won't be fun to own again um but yeah i think i, I would say like kind of people in like the tight end one conversation i consider trey burton to maybe be like the biggest value out of that group i mean man, i don't, I don't know, man. like any i don't really like any of them but people stand so hard for hunter henry like I know. hard it's been so long since he played you know it shouldn't really matter and, like, we know that Phillip Rivers has spent, like, his entire career, like, uh, 
heavily targeting tight ends, but maybe that was just an Antonio Gates mind meld type of thing. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll say, like, we have Drew Brees' tight end going as, like, the tight end eight by ADP. It's been a while, you know, since they've had a tight end, like, really make noise in that offense, but it's been a while since they had, like, an actually good tight end. And, you know, the Saints receiver depth chart is I, maybe thin is, like, too uh, too – like too mean of a word to use for it. I mean, it's not a deep. You're, you're not you're not buying Dylan Cantrell sleeper hype. No, yeah, no, it's not a deep receiver core. And I just know- I just spent so much dynasty fab on Dylan Cantrell like three <laughs> days ago. I like blew forty five percent of my season fab on him. It's a, so I, Jared, I, Jared Cook. I guess I would say using Lord Reeves as parlance. I guess I would at least buy at cost. I would maybe Evan Ingram. I don't know. He's like the tight end five. They need someone who's not a slot receiver to catch passes, but Ingram's too high too. Yeah, it's really not. I mean, Eric Ebron should be like the tight end fifteen, and he's still going like the tight top eight. So yeah, I, I don't think I've taken Ebron once in any draft so far. Basically, uh, my, my long winded answer there was I don't see any uh, legit values in that group. Well, because Ingram seems like his best case is like a really gross like eighty catch. 750 yard three touchdown season like it yes. just seems hor- and it probably necessitates Shepard or Tate getting hurt like he still should get targets but they're gonna be bad gross like imagine if Daniel Jones plays imagine how bad his targets are gonna be it's, it's funny like if you like bad Giants quarterback play if you like memeing the Giants quarterback you just can't lose this year uh, it's yeah. gonna be whatever happens it's gonna be great for people like me all right, man. There we go. That was that was around the league in thirty minutes. <laughs> was it thirty? I, I have a tendency to make uh, time estimates uh, go. Over. Yeah, it could be. Mo- it could be more or less. I actually don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. We might have been closer to forty-five, but uh, I, I don't know. Maybe Dingmeyer uh, might order. I never come back on the podcast, but uh, yeah, uh, he doesn't have that kind of editorial control. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, tell man, people what you guys have going on over at Roto World. Uh, we're in the middle of our summer preview series, doing a every day of the week, putting out a, a new team-specific fantasy preview. Uh, put the finishing touches in the draft guide recently. That's going to go live uh, online and newsstands pretty soon, next 10, 12 days, I think. Maybe even a little sooner online. Um, so, yeah, you know, we're just like everyone else, just sort of gearing up, ramping up for the season. Uh, you know, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of content. So, uh if you're a Roto World fan, uh, you know it's going to tickle your fancy. It's it's basically vintage Roto World uh, is what we're doing right now. There we go. All right, man. Thanks for joining the show. Uh, seriously, my pleasure.